Hey, last week, um, we, we talked about the power of remembering. And um, uh, if you weren't with us, we, we were gathered together on a Friday night. And um, we just talked about the power of remembering. And uh, w- what I want to do is I want to go back over that and set the stage. Really, it was a kind of a two-part message I was working on. So this will be the second part. But I want to go back and just remind you of, of remembering and where we were uh, last week. Um, over and over in the scripture, the Bible talks to us about remembering what we've seen, remembering what we've heard, remembering what we know. Because if we don't, it is so easy to let it slip and to let it go. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I'm glad that I've got some people around my life, whether it's family or maybe you guys, that will remind me at times of what maybe I've forgotten, where where God showed up, where God showed out. Uh, um, We've all seen uh, we've all seen it, me included, where time, pressure, circumstance just tries to come in and muddy the water so that you just can't even see and remember what God's done in your life. Pressure will do that. Uh, stress will do that. Circumstances so mounting that all you do is see the mountain. You can't see the God who's actually on top of the mountain. And, and, and so it, it, uh, we said this last week based on Psalm 78, Um, if you don't remember what we found from that psalm, it's a long psalm, but if you don't remember, you could have the potential to rebel. Not willingly, not wanting to rebel, but rebellion, I believe, has has some of its tentacles and its roots in just not remembering. I I just don't remember, and so I think God doesn't care. I I just don't remember, and I'm thinking, God doesn't know me anymore. I'm I'm drifting because I forgot forgot who God really was. And the drift leads to out-and-out rebellion against God, maybe. It'll take us down a dark hole. And so I want to challenge you again today just concerning let's all year be a people who just refuse to forget. Let's be a people all year who stir up just a holy remembrance of the word, of the scriptures, and who Jesus is and what he's told us in his word. Uh, we, we said this, and we'll read the scripture again, that the nation of Israel, when they came out of, out of Exodus, Moses was, Moses was dying. He actually died. And Joshua now was the leader, the scripture is going to tell us. And, and, and Joshua comes to a similar experience like what Moses had at the Red Sea. Y'all remember that? And Joshua comes to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is overflowing its banks. It's not just ankle-deep water. It's water that would overflow the people in the middle of it. But God told them, you got to go over the Jordan River into your land of promise. Listen, there will always be a block getting you from where you're at to where God wants you to go. And you've got to realize it doesn't mean stop. It doesn't mean go back. It doesn't mean whine. It doesn't mean camp there. It means get your little keister across that impossibility and believe God. Come on, everybody. Can I get a better amen in the church? So here's the account. God told, the, God told Joshua, get the 12 priests, get the Levites. You got the Ark of the Covenant. You got the presence of God in your life. He says, as soon as they step 
foot into that water, that Jordan River that's overflowing its banks, the water's going to dry up on your right side, the water's going to dry up on your left side, and you're going to go across on dry ground. Well, that's exactly what happened. And when they all got across this, and this could be upwards of a couple million of people going across this thing, it took a long time. And when they get over into that other side, God told Joshua, hey, we're going to do something different now. We're going to cause a change to happen so that we remember this. Here's the story in Joshua 4, verse 21. It says this, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, come on, somebody shout, in the future. Your children will ask, what do these stones mean? We said this last week. When you get across that river, when you get across the Jordan River, that's just not it. I want you to take 12 men and put them, go, take them right back into the middle of where the Ark of the Covenant was. Get 12 stones, a stone for a man. Listen, every man has got to have a stone. Listen to me. Every man and every woman in this church, you got to have a stone. Take that stone. And bring it out to the other side, to the land of promise. And he tells them, I want you to set it up as a memorial before me. And he says, why? Verse 21, why? He says, in the future, your children will ask. You will ask. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes. What if God would do something right before your eyes this year? And he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and you might fear the Lord your God forever. He said, I want you to memorialize this. I want you to remember this, not just in your mind, but I'm gonna give you a physical remembrance of what I did. Why did he do this? He tells us right there, so that the nations would see the power of God, he says, and that his people would fear and reverence God. You would never forget this moment. This is a, this is a moment I want ingrained in your life forever and ever. Never forget this moment. I think maybe something that we have today uh, that, that we don't set up memorials, we don't set up altars, we don't set up these rock structures like they did in the Old Testament. We'll talk about that. Probably the, the memorial we have or the, or the altar we have and the, the stones that we have that we cause to remember are probably pictures. That's probably what we have. We, we, we take pictures at, at weddings. We take pictures at birthdays. We take pictures at, at, at funerals. And, and we've seen some, some crazy stuff, some awful stuff where people take pictures at, at wrecks and all kinds of things now. Uh, why? What are they doing? They're, they're remembering that. But listen, today, I'm telling you, every single one in this room online, you need a stone. You need a rock. You need something from the Jordan River. You need something from the Word of God. You need something from the hand of God. You need something from the Spirit of God that will cause you never to forget who God is is. Can I get an amen? Man. In the future, he says, in the future is what the scripture talked about. In the future, your kids are going to ask, what, what, what's up with these rocks? What's up with this altar? What's up with this structure here? What, what's that mean? What's that mean? T tell me when. 
And if you forget, how are you ever going to instruct the next generation? So he says, you've got to remember your past. You've got to remember what God's done. And the power of your testimony is that your testimony of what God did for you can testify to somebody else that's struggling and hasn't found a rock yet. Can I get an amen? Amen. We said this last week that remembering your past plays a vital role in the identity of a nation. Remembering the past plays a vital role in the identity of a nation. When a nation forgets their past, the nation is losing its way. We've said this, that's true for a nation, that could be true for an individual, that could be true for a family, that could be true for a church. Not remembering causes a loss of identity. When I don't remember, I'll I'll lose who I really am. I'm a man of God. I'm called by God. I'm anointed by God. I'm chosen by God. I'm blessed by God. I'm sanctified. I'm redeemed. I'm righteous because of his blood. His blood redeems me from the curse. Come on, everybody. I got to keep remembering that because I'm living in a culture and you're living in a culture that's telling you something otherwise. And we're seeing now, even just on the sexuality side, we're seeing a culture that says, well you're, well, 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 you're a boy, but you want to be a girl, and so change some stuff. And then now the ramifications of realizing that years later where they made a mistake and it's irreversible. Why? A loss of identity can mess you up in all kinds of realms, spirit, soul, and body. So God's admonition to you and me is do not forget. Remember. Do not have an identity change, have an identity identifier. I'm identified with Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody. Can I say an amen? Come on, everybody. We're identified with him. We're sons of him. Come on, we're children of him. He's our father. We act like our father. We talk like our father. We, come on, come on, we speak like, we, we do what our father does. It's our identity. Sociologists, we said this last week, sociologists claim that a a society aspiring to endure must become what they said, a community of memory and hope. Uh, A society that's going to endure has got to be a society that that continually has a remembrance and, and it's a community of memory, a community of hope, memory of what's gone on and hope for the future. Two things you need this year, memory of what God's done or what God said and hope for the future. Because listen, we're coming into, I'm just telling you, we're coming into a season like Isaiah said, he said, arise and shine church, the lights come, uh, the glory of the Lord is risen on you, but look around, gross darkness is all around your community. Deep darkness is all around your community. And he says, I've called you to live in the middle of it, but you better rise up or else that gross darkness will get in your gross life. Come on, you better, you, you better be something different. You better have something changed in your life because if it's not, it will, it will just engulf you and, and you'll wind up not remembering. You'll wind up forgetting. You'll, you'll wind up going back and potentially, potentially, you and I could rebel. That's the warning from the scripture. And so God says and God tells Joshua, get those 12 stones, put them up as a memorial and that meant that God's going to be faithful for, to you and for you forever. And so the application, what, what, what would be the application? Here it is again. We've said it several times, but the application is just simply this. If God did this then, he'll do what you need him to do in the future. If God did it then, he'll, 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 he'll do it again in the future. But, but only, only if you remember. <laughs> 
And there's all kinds of things that we could talk about even just a moment ago during praise and worship. We just praise him and we just believe God that he's breaking down every wall. Come on, man. We're going to watch the giants fall. And you could be singing that and having a giant like Goliath in your face right now. We all got some kind of giant. But God says, will you sing? Will you stand? Will you worship me in the middle of your pain and your giant? Come on, church. Are you with me today? Man. These stones were tangible. These stones were physical. It was, you know, they're real stones. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't ethereal. It wasn't a cloud. It was something that they would go back and they would say, God did this there. I want you kids, I want you grandkids to remember what God, I want to remind myself if that's what he did then, then I, I, I'm going to be secure in my future as well. We said this last week, that God always wanted Israel to know. He, he wanted Israel to know and remember his power, his provision, and his presence. And so listen to me, all year long, all year long, would you just set yourself up to make, take a screenshot of that, do something, remind yourself all year long that I choose to remember his power, I choose to remember his provision, I choose to remember his presence, I'm not alone, God's with me. Come on, his presence is with me. His presence is with my children. Come on, I'm gonna remember his power, that he delivered me, he will deliver me from every evil work. I'm gonna remember your provision, Lord God. Come on, you multiplied loaves and fishes, you, you provided for me, then you're gonna provide for me again. <laughs> Man, uh, for, for, the, for the rest of our time, I just want to talk to you about the, the significance of these rocks or these stones, because I think it's, I think it's, it's important, because we, we, we don't do this now, and, and, and we don't have to do it now, but it's important from the scriptural standpoint that there are numerous passages in the Old Testament that, that, that talk about this. And we'll, we'll, we'll mention one in the New Testament too, that a memorial or an altar that men that had an experience with God would, would solidify that event with, with these stones in a certain place. Um, I want to remind you, when Noah was on the flood and he came after the flood to the dry ground, the first thing that he did was he made an altar of stones and he sacrificed the clean animals on it. That's what he did after the flood. God appeared to Abram, we, we, we found out. We read it in Genesis chapter 12 and he, he told him, it just miraculous, he, he's not even worshiping God, he's, he, he's worshiping Ur the Chaldees. He's from Ur the Chaldees, worshiping the moon god, they said. That's what the Chaldeans did. But God shows up and says, man, I've chosen you. I, I, I'm going to do something in your life. From you, there's going to be a new nation that's going to be born. And the scripture says that Abram built an altar before the Lord. He, he built another altar just a few verses later when he came to, came to a place called Bethel, which actually means the house of God. He, he, the encounter with God was so real, he didn't want to forget it, so he built an altar there. God spoke to him later. God spoke to him later and, and told him, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bless you. Doesn't make a difference. His, his, there was a little bit of a division between him and his nephew called Lot. And, and Lot went and chose this, this beautiful portion of land. It was like, it was like the Hollywood, or excuse me, the, the La Jolla Cliffs. And, and it was a beautiful part of the land. And, 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 he, and, and he, 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 he chose that Lot. And he left Abram to, to down, at the, down at the mud pits in San Isidro. And yet God showed up in the middle of Abraham and he said, listen, buddy, hey, 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 you're seeing it wrong. Lift up your eyes, north, south, east, and west, all the land you see, I've given to you. I don't care what it looks like right now. I don't care where Lot is, I've given it to you. 
And Abraham was so touched and moved by that, he made an altar to God in that exact spot. So we never forget, God's with me. God's gonna provide for me. God's for me. It doesn't make a difference what someone's taken from my life, what the IRS took from my life, what that dude stole from my life. God is with me. God's going to be God. Can I get an amen? amen? Later, he built an altar, probably one of the greatest altars of all, and he sacrificed in Genesis chapter 22, took his son up to sacrifice before God, an encounter with God, and he had that knife. You remember that story? And God spared him. The angel of the Lord spared him, a type of Jesus being sacrificed for us. Later on, we read that Abraham's son and grandson, Isaac and Jacob, both built altars after they had supernatural encounters with God. Here's what it says that we find out. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me say it this way. Let me, let me say it this. Um, I just think that we all need altars in our life. I'm looking back at my life of, of just altars and, and memorials that, that, that I've made in my life. God's presence. I remember, I can tell you right now, a time in Canada that we were pastoring our church there from 1988 till 19 or 2000, 2001 before we came here. There was a night that we had a, a regular Wednesday night service and the Spirit of God came in there like never before. There was a presence there. I had an encounter with God that I've never had before. Listen to me, I've made that a memorial. I will never forget it. I, I take my mind, I take my heart back to that moment not because I'm trying to, try, trying to have that again, but I remember what God did in me and what he said through me that night. Uh, there, there, there's, there, there's a time when I was in Bible school in Kimberly, too, we were in Bible school, and, and, and this, is, this is probably years after Bible school, I'm thinking now, that there was a meeting, a huge convention center, uh, a, a huge church, and, and the presence of God, listen to me, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, he'll show up when you're not even asking him to show up. And the Holy Spirit, just one night, we were all just worshiping, listen, thousands, 5,000 people, 6,000 people, I don't be 7,000 in that church, it's a mega church, and, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, the presence of God came, listen, on my right, on my right side, and the Spirit of God, listen, I'm watching people getting slain, knocked down in the Spirit, all coming down like dominoes. I, you can't orchestrate that. I'll never forget it. A, a tangible presence. I, I sensed something on the inside, and then God just manifested himself. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. There are times here in this church, times that I've seen God do some supernatural things. There, there, there's times that even recently, in the last couple of years, we were at a meeting and, and, and the presence of God, so holy, so beautiful. It's just like nobody doing nothing, nobody praying in tongues, nobody laying hands, just quiet, quiet, quiet. Just somebody on the keys playing just the mmm. And the presence of God working in, in hundreds of ministers, and it was just God solidifying his strength, his call, his word, his plan, his purpose in your life. Listen, I've memorialized that. I will not forget that. There's been times in Kimberly in my life where, where provision, where, where, where God showed up when we didn't know how he was going to show up. I've memorialized those times. When we first came here in 2001, the church that we took over, which was World Harvest, it could not pay me a full-time salary. Nobody probably knows that. <laughs> I've never said that. We left Canada, and we're going to make less money in Canada than we did down here. And we lost 45% of our money transferring it from Canadian dollars to U.S. dollars. And the church could not pay. Rent was like, rent was, rent was, my Lord, rent was 70% of the money that we had from the church. 
and yet God told us to come. <laughs> and God, all of a sudden, there was a little lady in the church that, that she would come up to me and she said, I don't know if you need this, but God told me to give you this every time I get some extra money. And I said, well, I think that's Jesus. <laughs> and God supernaturally supplied our need. I've memorialized that. I'll never not believe he won't supply. Do you have a God like that? Man. These guys, they, they gathered stones, what we see here with Joshua and what we, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah. They, they gathered stones that were witnesses to what God said or what God did in that spot. I, I am asking you this year, that when you have a time with God, a presence with God, an encounter with God, it, it could just be reading the word. And, and, and let me just encourage you, I, I'm not looking for the big thing. I'm not trying to orchestrate something because I believe every time we get with God, every time we're there, it can be an altar, it can be a memorial. But there are going to be supernatural, special times for you this year. And I'm asking you that you memorialize those. I'm asking you that you, you solidify those, that it's a witness to what God said and what God and you don't bypass it. You don't say, well, well, that was just that that was just the carne asada I ate last night and I feeling that. No, 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 no. God showed up and you know it deep down. Come on, would you do that? Would, would you give honor to God by remembering? Yeah, yeah. In the New Testament, something real similar. Some some of you remember this on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and goes up to the Mount Transfiguration. And he's changed and he's glowed, glowing before them in Matthew 17. He's, his face is altered. His, skin, his clothing is just, it's radiant. It's reflective with the glory of God. But it's just not him there. All of a sudden, Moses shows up and Elijah. And they're talking to Jesus. We don't know what they're talking about. But Peter, James, and John are there. And Peter... The spokesman, he's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He doesn't know what to do. And he just says, it's good for us to be here. Because uh, he didn't know what to say, it says. It's good for us to be here. Let's make an altar. Let's make a memorial. Let's make a tabernacle for you. And all of a sudden, all of that stopped. And God shouts from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. We're not making any memorials or altars to anybody else. Listen. It's all about Jesus. But, but we see even ingrained in the disciples this thought, I need to memorialize this. I need to remember this. Now, um, lest you think I'm talking about you going to the XYZ store and buying little religious trinkets, I'm, I'm not talking about that. Or else you think that I'm speaking of making a shrine on top of your fireplace trying to remember something that that's not what I'm talking about. Or, or getting, getting something on your mirror that's some kind of new age thing or a crystal or something that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you going to the word of God, you having a time with God in this year that just that rocks your world and you memorialize that and you remember that and you say, God, I will not forget this moment. I'm making this a holy spot, a holy time. Re cause it to come back to my mind time and time again, lest I drift away from this place. I want to see you work in my life this year like never before. Come on, somebody say amen. 
Matthew chapter 16, Jesus comes to this place. It's a Greek place, and if you do a little research on it, it's a kind of interesting place in a region called Caesarea Philippi. At this place is where the Greeks would offer child sacrifice to their pagan god, and it was actually called the Gates of Hell. At this place where Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi, he comes to this place and he says this, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, we're standing in the middle of it all right now, shall not prevail against it or overpower it or overcome it or be able to defeat it. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. The church isn't a building, the church is you and me. He says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Nothing can overpower it. Nothing can prevail against it. Nothing can overcome it. Nothing can defeat it. That's God's word for you and me this year. Nothing can overpower you. Nothing can overcome you. Nothing can prevail against you. Nothing can defeat you. Come on, church. Come on, church. We're not going to be defeated. We're not going to be crushed. We're not going to go back. We're not going to be thrown to the side. No, 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 no. At the end of the year, we're going to be shouting, God's worthy. Come on, God's faithful. God's true to his word. He's the same. That's what we're going to be saying. Now, now, now again, th this rock that Jesus is speaking of is not your strength, is not your ability, is not your prayer, is not your fasting, it's not your effort. That's not what he's talking about. On this rock, he says, I will build my church. Listen to me. The rock is Jesus. Come on, everybody. The rock is Jesus. On this rock, on this rock of who Jesus is, the revelation of who Jesus is and the revelation of what Jesus has done. That has got to come alive in you and I more and more and more, lest we drift, lest we slip away. The rock of who he is. When, when Jesus is setting this, the story up, Jesus came to his disciples and he said, hey guys, who do people say that I am? Who, who do people say I am? The son of man is. And they said, what, some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Uh, and Jesus said to Peter, uh, but, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? You're the Christ. You're the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus then replies with this scripture, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, on this strong place, I'll build your life. I'll solidify your life. I'll cause you to be founded and grounded and not moved off to the right or left. To know who you are and to know who I am. To know your, your place in Christ and to do the will of God. On this rock, I will build your life on revelation of who I am and who I, what I've done and now what you can do through me. The authority of the believer. I'll build your life. Come on, church. I'll build your life. So listen to me. Your life this year is going to be sustained and is going to grow according to this revelation, revelation of who the rock is and what the rock can do for you, who the rock is and what the rock can do for you. God told Joshua, go back. Don't forget this moment. Go back into that river and get 12 stones rock. Jesus was there in the middle of your difficulty. 
Jesus was right there in the middle of your problem. Jesus was the one who caused that water to part. Come on, Jesus was the one that caused you to get that job. Jesus was the one that caused that healing. Come on, Jesus was the one that caused that favor. Come on, church, Jesus was the one. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Um, it it's, it's really interesting, again, that, that Paul picks this thought up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And Paul takes us back again to the Exodus when Moses was leading those millions of people through the Exodus. And he says something in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 4. Check it out. He says, all those people, all, 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 all the Israelis, all, all, all those coming through, the Jews coming through the, the, the Exodus, they all ate the same spiritual food. Well, what was that? Manna from heaven, right? God, God reigned in the quail. And they all drank, check it out, they all drank the same spiritual drink. Notice those words. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. The Old Testament, it tells us in the wilderness, that there wasn't any water. And so God would tell Moses, hey, take, take the rod in your hand. And, and, and hit that rock and, and the water will come out. Water doesn't come from a rock, but it does. Refreshing, strength, vitality, endurance, stability comes from the rock, Jesus Christ. He is the rock. Listen to me, look at this. They drank of the spiritual rock, check it out, that followed them, that followed them. It's interesting here. It doesn't say the rock went before them. They had to go, but there was God following. God is in your going. My admonition to everybody this year, get going, and you're going to see God working in your life. God flowed water from a rock. We're in a generation that looks, and I'm not just talking about the, the secular generation, I'm talking about the, the, the Christian generation, looking for satisfaction and contentment and refreshing in all kinds of crazy ways, all kinds of secular ways, all, all kinds of things that years ago maybe no one would, would, would uh, um, uh, lean into or believe into or open up them, their lives to. But now, again, because of the darkness that, that is prevalent, it causes people to draw away and cause satisfaction to come from something else. But it is truly not satisfaction. It's got a bit. It's got a bite. It's, it's got a stain. It's got a sting that will wind up hurting and leading people away. And our, our young people are, are, are biting that. Our young people are drinking from that. And, and, and I've seen elderly people, uh, uh, church people that have been in the fold for a while that now are, 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 are partaking of a different kind of rock. That's a false rock that cannot satisfy my admonition again this morning. 
on the first Sunday that we're gathered together in 2023 is that your life be founded on the rock Jesus Christ, on the revelation of who he is, and you get your satisfaction and your refreshing from him. You do not need anything else. Isaiah 28, verse 16. Isaiah prophesies, the prophet, and he says this, See, I lay in Zion, I lay a stone. Notice that, a stone, a rock in Zion. A tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. This could be your life this year. This could be you right here where you just say, Lord God, I thank you that Jesus is a tested stone. He's a precious cornerstone. He's a sure foundation for my life. My life will never be stricken with panic. I have a foundation. I have a rock. I've made my life on Christ Jesus. No matter what comes to me this year, I've got a rock that will hold me. I've got a rock that will ground me. I've got a rock that will stabilize me. I've got a rock that will protect me. I've got a rock that will refresh me. He says, this can be yours. Paul picks this up in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, and he says, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. There's that word again. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises. God wants you to rise this year to become a holy temple in the Lord. God wants you to join together. God wants you to put you together with some other people. God wants you to get involved, go through growth track, get in a small group, get serving in the church, get around godly people. Don't get around crazy crazy people. Might have some crazy people in church, but you get it. Get around godly people. Come on, everybody. Where, where your life can be strong and it can be solidified and your life can be built as Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone sets the agenda for how the store, how, how the building is built. The cornerstone sets that, that everything goes past that cornerstone. Not, we we got to know where we're going to go, how we're going to build, how high we're going to build based on the cornerstone. That your life will move according to what Jesus will is your life because he's my cornerstone come on we sing that song Jesus is our cornerstone everything else centers around him I think uh, Cody Carnes a great Christian uh, artist music artist he says has a great song out Christ is our firm foundation the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken <laughs> I've never been more secure, but never been more founded when everything around is shaken. Is that you this morning? You've been shaken? You've been panicking? Then that's just telling me, or that's telling you, that your life has not been founded on the rock. Build a memorial. Get in the Word. Find out what He said. Believe it. Speak it. Agree with it. Because we all have times like this. Listen, this isn't any finger pointing at any of us. Because we've all had times with this, just like David did in Psalm 62. I love the authenticity of the Word of God. It tells us the good, it tells us the bad. It tells us the, the blessings, it tells us the ugly stuff of humanity. And David says this, from the ends of the earth, I'm going to cry to you. Come on, listen to me. You need some crying this year. Not boo-hoo crying, maybe some boo-hoo crying, but some crying out to God. You need some crying probably the next two weeks with fasting and prayer. God, I'm tired of this. God, I don't want this in my family. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this in my marriage. Oh, Lord, I'm crying out to you. You need to have some times like that. And he said, when my heart, not, not, not notice, not if my heart, when my heart is overwhelmed. 
Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I I'm going I'm, I'm to prophesy. I'm just going to tell you this right now. You're going to have some times this year that your heart has a chance to be overwhelmed. Something hits you <laughs> out of the blue in your body, a doctor's report, with your kids, with your marriage, with your job, whatever it is. A past crazy thought that comes and going, where, listen to me, in the hell did that come from? What, that's exactly where it did come from. It came from the pit of hell. Then he was trying to get you to go back to an old lifestyle, try to get you to forget your rock and your foundation, and, and, and trying to get you to make that a memorial of pain and regret and fear and worry. And uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to tear that altar down. Come on, I'm building a new altar right here. I'm going to build a new memorial. Yeah. Listen to me. Run into the rock doesn't mean you're weak. Run into the rock means you're smart. I'm going to, when my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock, oh God. Lead me to that rock that's higher than I. If, 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 I'm, if, if I'm not running quick, Lord, get, get my feet moving quick. I don't want to be out here by myself thinking stupid stuff. Lord, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Because the rock is Jesus Christ. He's the firm cornerstone. Come on, I'm almost done. I, I love this story in 1 Samuel chapter 7. It's a, it's a great story. The story talks about that Samuel, if you remember, that his mom couldn't have a child, and, and, she, and she wound up having a child. And she said, if you give me a child, Lord, I'm going to give him back to you. And so he was raised, he was raised in church, we'd say, raised in the temple. But, but the people that were around him were crazy and wicked. <laughs> Eli had two sons, uh, Hophni, uh, uh, Hophni and, and Phinehas, and they, they were just wicked men doing all kind of crazy stuff in the temple. And, and yet... God allowed Samuel to be around wickedness. Maybe to see what's really going on in the world. Maybe. And when they all died, Eli the priest died, and these two boys died because of their sin, God's hand on him was to be the new leader, the judge, the prophet in Israel. And yet what we find is that in that encounter, the Ark of the Covenant the, the physical presence of God that the nation of Israel had, that they carried everywhere they went, it was taken captive by the Philistines. It was away for seven, eight months. And God was going to bring it back. God, God's plan was it for to, come, to come back. And it's, it's a supernatural encounter. You need to read it in 1 Samuel 6, 7, 8, right through there. Well, Samuel's his position now is I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to judge Israel. I'm, I'm, I've been set up as a, as a prophet to, to bring God's presence and bring God's plan back into culmination. And so the people, they were away from God. But know what the people did? Read it. It says that they began fasting and praying and repenting. My prayer for you in these two weeks is that you might spend some time, if necessary, fasting, praying, and repenting. Change my mind, I'm changing my direction. But it's interesting when you read the story, it's crazy. Listen, it's just like crazy. It's not something that you'd think would happen or that God would even allow. Because after the people had this great guy that rises up called Samuel, 
who says, we're, we're going to get things right. And the people go, amen, amen. We're, we're all jacked up. We left God. We're, we're going to pray. We're going to fast. And we're going to repent. And you would think God would say, thumbs up. Let's go, guys. We're going from here. But guess what happens? The Philistines rise up again and start coming to fight against Israel. Just because you're fasting. Listen, in the last week since I've been fasting, I've got some awful news. I've had some challenges in my life that I believe are sent from the enemy to derail me. You got to know this. When you draw near to God, the enemy's going to say, no, 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 no. Let me throw a roadblock. Let me throw, if you will, a Jordan River that's overflowing its banks. So you stop. No, 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 no. But you get your foot right in the middle of the river and it's going to stop and you're going to get a stone and say, I'm going to memorialize this. Come on, I'm going to memorialize this. I'm going to memorialize this. So here's what Samuel does. Because Samuel's connected to God. So Samuel gets a lamb. Anybody remember what a lamb might mean? Type of Jesus. He gets a lamb and he sacrifices it to God when he hears the enemy is coming. And he offers this lamb to God. And the Bible says this, God then routed the enemy. Israel all they had to do was chase them. They chased them and killed them. But God messed them up. God busted them up. Listen, when you're serving God, when you're worshiping God, when you're honoring God, when you turn in fasting and prayer and you're seeking God and you're repenting, can I tell you something? God is fighting the battles for you. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. And at the end of it all, Here's what the scripture says Samuel did. It says this in 1 Samuel 7. When God helped the prophet Samuel and Israel defeat the Philistines, Samuel took a, come on, say it with me. Say it with me again. A large stone. And he placed it where? At the place of victory. And called it Ebenezer which means stone of hell. I'm going to remember this. We're never going to forget what you did here, God. When we turned to you, when we fasted and prayed, when we repented, when we got our heart right, you did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. We're going to remember this. We're going to call this Ebenezer. This is the stone of help. This is the exact place where God Help me. God, help me. God, help me. David said this, in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. He shall hide me. He shall hide me. He shall set me high. He'll hide me. He'll hide me and he'll set me high. Father, I pray that and prophesy that to every person in our church. Father God, that we're going to find our secret place with you in the time of trouble, in the time of need. Lord God, you hide us. You hide us. You hide us. And you set us on high. We decide this year to build our life on the rock. We have assurance from you who you will be. When our heart's overwhelmed, you're going to lead us to the rock that's higher than I. 
The rock is Jesus, Father. Help us build our life on Jesus. There's refreshing from the rock. There's strength from the rock. There's security in the rock. Father God, today we make a pledge. We call heaven and earth to record today. We make this a memorial day. We choose all year to build our life on the rock. The rock of who Jesus is, the rock of what Jesus has done, that his promises are yes and amen. They are sure, they are secure for us, not based on what we've done, based on what Jesus has done. Thank you, Father, for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for life. Thank you that we are witnessing in this spot in different times all year, but right here, right now, would to God it would be in these next 14 days of prayer and fasting that you would meet with us and that we would witness and remember, lest we slip, that you did a marvelous work in the midst of us. As, as Samson's parents made that altar, made that altar, and you came down and brought fire from heaven and consumed that sacrifice, oh God, on that altar of stone. Consume us this year. Let a fire burn deep within us. Come on, church. Let a fire burn deep within us this year. Let us know you more this year. And so, Father, maybe what we need to do, come on, I'm just sensing this right now. Come on, won't you put your hands in front of you, just right there. That's your altar right there. Come on, that's your altar right there. Come on, that's your altar right there. That's, that, 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 that can be a memorial for you right now. I, I, I'm releasing, come on, I'm releasing everything negative. I'm releasing the anxiety. I'm releasing the words. I'm releasing the stress. I'm releasing the report of the enemy. I'm releasing what it looks like right now, today, Lord God. And I'm saying today's a memorial. I'm remembering. I'm remembering the Lord. I'm remembering your plan. I'm remembering your goodness. I'm, I'm remembering your grace. I'm remembering your compassion. I, I'm remembering your mercy, Lord God, today. I, I'm, I'm going to let this be a memorial, a, a memorial in my life, Lord. As, as the Old Testament prophets would pour oil even on top of their altars, on top of the memorial, on top of the stones, we, we let the oil of joy come on us from the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be sad anymore. We're not going to be angry anymore. We're not going to be negative anymore. We're not going to be critical anymore. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust you Lord God we're going to delight in you we're going to praise you like never before this year you're going to put a new song in our heart oh God you're going to put new joy in us oh God as we draw near to you and you're drawing near to us we memorialize this time Father today we memorialize this time Father in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus' name. Let this be a holy time, a holy year, a holy time of prayer and fasting. Moms and dads and singles, and young and the old, drawing near. Speak, O oh God. Release a word. Speak a word in due season that will hold us all year. Father, bring stability where there's instability. Cause foundations that are cracked to be strengthened again. Cause our life, Lord God, to look at the foundation of our life, to build our life on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Do a deep work, O oh God. 
do a work of power, a work of strength, a work of glory that only you can get credit for as you rout the enemy before us. We thank you. Come on, church, we thank you. Can you clap your hands, all you people? Come on, you receive that today? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just sense this right now in my heart. Ramona, what, your granddaughter, uh, what, what's her name? Aislinn. Ace, Ace Lynn. Uh, we're going to pray for her right now. Come on, I don't want to go into all the details, but come on, just bow your head. Just sense that strong in my heart for Ramona's granddaughter, Aislinn. We, come on, just, just, just come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Holy Ghost just a second under your breath right there. Shalom Father God, we come against the attack of the enemy in Aislinn's life. We call it broken again. We join with grandma. We join, we join with Steve and we join with others that are praying. We come against the stronghold of the enemy that would try to steal her, kill from her and destroy her. Father, we break that assignment right here, right now. We break it. We call it broken and down. We call her eyes to see, her ears to hear, her heart to respond to the word of God, Lord God, like never before. Father, cause a change to happen in her. If it's chemical change, if it's, if it's demonic attack, whatever it is, Lord God, bring all kinds of change into her life. We pray, oh God, for this beautiful child of God to come back, come back from the land of the enemy. She's brought back from the hold of the stronghold in the land of the enemy. Lord God, as you routed the enemy, with the nation of Israel, rout the enemy for this family. Rout the enemy, oh God, we pray and prophesy. We prophesy in Jesus' name. Come on, stand up, everybody. Would you do that? All over the room. Come on, let me do one more thing before we let you go. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'll be up here after the service. I'd love to pray for you, pray with you. Um, uh, the only way your life is going to make sense is if you get your life founded on who Jesus is. So if you don't know him or you're away from him, I'll be right here. You come up here and let me pray for you. And we're going to believe God that a spiritual transaction happens between heaven and you right now. And that's exactly what's going to happen. But I want to pray just over your life one more time with your eyes open and your head up from Numbers chapter 6, that high priestly prayer that Moses told Joshua, and Joshua then to tell the people, and this is how we're gonna pray. God told Moses, I'm, 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 I'm sure Joshua prayed it as well, and continued for, for, for decades with the nation of Israel, because God told Moses to pray this way. So say to the people, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. He said, this is the way you place my name on the people. You're named by God. We bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. come on, all God's people said, amen. let him hear you online one more time. Amen, amen, amen. We love you. We'll be here tomorrow night, 630. Hope you're here helping us pray. It's going to be a great, great week. God bless you. Amen.